right. Well, I think many of you know who my wife, but sweetheart, would you stand, please? This is my wife, and uh, I thank God for her, and uh, she's the better part of the team, I promise you, uh, and uh, she keeps me straightened out pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't know about your wife, but my wife can come up with the hardest Bible questions. Uh, I'm telling you, we'll be sitting at the table, and she'll say, man of God, what's this mean? <laughs> you know, I say, well, it means what it means. <laughs> All right, I'm, I, I, I just, preachers say, you going to bring your wife? I said, don't go without her. I don't go without her. Amen? Amen. Yeah. See, when, when we got married, we got hitched. <laughs> if you hitch a boat to a pickup trailer, it'll go where the pickup goes. Okay, brother, that's good. Yeah? Yeah. And we got hooked. Yeah. If you put a lure on the end of a fishing line, and you can hook a fish. And Miss Williams and I hooked each other. See, uh, and we got hitched. Uh, and uh, then the, the world said, oh, you mean you tied the knot? Yeah. Did you ever put two strings together and tie them into a knot? That's what you do when you get married. Amen. Yeah, amen. amen. Everywhere you go, she goes. Everywhere she goes, you go. Amen. Yeah. This church is deader than I thought it was. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, we're glad to be here. Uh, and uh, we'll praise the Lord. Now, uh, let's get something settled, okay? How many of you, now think about it, how many of you are going to refuse to come back tonight? Uh, Preacher, isn't that amazing? We're going to have the same crowd tonight. Not one of them raised their hand. Now, you're either coming or you lying. And I don't recommend lying, especially to the Lord. Okay, so see you tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, I like to have a good time. How about you, huh? Yeah, uh, you know, down here at Costco, and uh, y'all have Costco's here? Yes. Yeah, uh, they all have nameplates, you know. And I was walking through there, and, and I don't know, we were doing something, and this guy had a, he had a nameplate. His name was Mike. And I walked over to him, and I said, Mike, I've been standing over there looking at you. I believe I know you. He said, really? You, you really think you know me? I said, yeah. I said, is your last name Rafon? And he said, No. No, I said, well, I knew a microphone one time. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he said, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I said, I think so too. But uh, anyway, you, you should have a good time wherever you go, sure enough. Yeah, I was standing in the airport at Denver one time uh, waiting for a plane and, and a guy beside me in a nice business suit and everything. And I said, uh, morning, sir, morning, good morning. And I said, uh, what do you do? 
Oh, he said, I worked for NASA up in the space administration ever since almost its conception. And he said, I'm just coming in from the Orient on a big trip right now. I said, boy, it sounds to me like you have a big job. Oh, he said, I do. What do you do? I said, I work for the man that made space. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it took him a while to get over that one. But uh, yeah, you know, just get your mouth open. God said, I'll fill it if you'll open it. Yeah, amen, amen. I, 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 when you go to work Monday, just open your mouth. You won't get in very far, I promise you, until somebody will say, what's the matter? Said, Nothing, I just wanted you to ask me what was the matter. I want to tell you about Jesus. Amen? amen. amen. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> I'll go down with you and I'll open my mouth and walk around with you, okay? Uh, you ain't going. All right, good, good, good. Not getting very far here this morning. Uh, but uh, i tell you what, uh, why don't you just turn to the person right next to you and say, I'm glad I don't look like you. Well, at least you're awake, okay. Good. Take your Bibles today, would you? And uh, we're going to look at the scriptures today. I'm going to give you four words today that will change your life. Change this church. It'll change your home. Four words that will change your life, your home, this church, and this world. And this world. I hope you have your Bible with you. Always bring your Bible. I figure people that don't bring their Bible to church are like a carpenter that goes to work without a hammer. They don't intend to do much. Amen? Yeah, amen. All right. Four words. First one is adoration. Adoration. Learn to adore God. Learn to adore God. Look at 2 Samuel. Uh, would you please? Chapter 22. 2 Samuel and uh, chapter 22. And while you're finding that, let me invite you to the table. They put us over in a corner. I don't know why they did that. Uh, and hid us under the balcony. Uh, but anyway, we're right over there in that corner. We have some books uh, that will help you. Uh, I hope that you're a reader. Every leader is a reader. Amen. Not every reader is a leader. But every leader is a reader. And look at Psalm 20, or excuse me, for 2 Samuel chapter 22. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord hath delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, David wrote a song, and this was the song. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock. See, God is a rock and his son is a rock. Amen. You'll find that throughout the Bible. 
and says, and he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from balance. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall have I saved from my enemies. You know why God said to David, you're a man after my own heart? Is because David just kept bragging on God. He just kept bragging on him. Turn to the 18th uh, chapter of the Psalms, please. Psalms and uh, chapter 18. Psalm 18, verse 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my, watch now, nine adjectives. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. David just kept telling God how big he is, how strong he is, how great he is, how honest he is, how faithful he is, how he gives righteousness and he gives holiness and he gives peace and he gives joy and he gives love. He said, you're great, God. Hmm? Watch, come here, preacher. Brother John, you, 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 you dress so handsome every time we're over here. I, I tell you, I, I can always count on it. Some preachers don't keep their shoes shine, but I'd look at yours and comb. If I had hair, I could comb my hair. Uh, but, uh, you know, and John, I just appreciate you so much. I love you, and I love your family. You've done such a wonderful job with the girls, and Mrs. always looks nice, and, and the church is growing, Brother John. Young man, I'm telling you, you know, pretty soon, you know what Brother John's saying? I like Brother Williams. Yeah, sure. Keep going. Thank you. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hold on now. Hold on. I think I can navigate these steps. Hold on. Hey, I did it. Look at that. <laughs> Darling, come here. Aww. You're beautiful. And I love you. And it's like we just got married. <laughs> and I love kissing you. And I love hugging you. In fact, uh, I just maybe get me a hook and hook on to you. <laughs> yeah. And you always dress up nice. And you keep our home so clean and so presentable. We're always proud to have people there. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Go ahead, preacher. I'm going. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Now, learn to adore your wife. Tell her every day how beautiful she is. Tell her how she can cook. If she can't cook, lie about it. Uh, you know, but uh, just keep bragging on your wife, how she dresses, how she fixes her hair, how that uh, she can keep the house clean and, and how that she can just do so many things. Just keep bragging. Keep, bra keep telling your husband how handsome he is. Yeah, yeah. How long been since you just walked up and said, you're just really handsome, honey? Huh? Yeah, I'm serious, okay? Yeah, adore your children. 
Tell them you're glad for their grades. Tell them you're glad they make their bed because they're going to start doing that now. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and just, just brag on them. Quit downing them so much and uplift them some. Okay? Uh, and uh, just, just brag on your children, brag on your wife, brag on your husband. And then before you go to bed and when you first get up, brag on your God. Amen. Good morning, Father. I, I don't want anything. I just want to tell you I love you. I want to tell you how great you are, how magnificent you are, how strong you are. Oh, you know, you say, you serious? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Yeah, you can ask Ms. Williams. I mean, I, I just tell her all the time how pretty she is and how good she looks and how she can cook and how she can clean and how wonderfully she dresses and takes care of herself. Uh, you, you, know, uh, you know, some women haven't changed their hair in 40 years. Uh, you know, maybe haven't even washed it. I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, but brag on, brag on. Uh, and I, I'm so thankful. Uh, I, I told a bunch of women the other day, I, I, I said, uh, you know, I'm thankful that women hardly ever go bald-headed. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, uh, aren't you men thankful for that? You know, look at her and thank God, thank God. See, you know, and, and my wife, I, I don't know, she just really, really loves my bald head, but she acts like it. She'll come by and, you know, like that. Do you know what they call a fly on a bald-headed man? Homeless. Uh, you know, homeless. That fly would be homeless almost on you now uh, that you're talking about. Uh, uh, you, you know, uh, but, you know, just brag on them. Just keep it up and keep it on. And just tell God, good morning. You know, I, I, you'd think I was nuts if you walked around with me because when I burp, I say, excuse me, Father. Excuse me, Lord Jesus. You say, preacher, is God really that real to you? Every bit. Every bit. Every bit. You know? Look, I tell you why some of you married couples are in trouble. You don't ever invite him into your bedroom. He belongs in your bedroom just as much as he does at your table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> adore. Learn to adore God. Adoration. Second word I want to give you is examination. Examination. And look at it, would you please, in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians and uh, chapter 13. In the Bible, in 2 Corinthians, and I'll be there in just a minute, and you'll get old sometime, don't worry about it. Uh, 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 13. Okay, here's 1 Corinthians, and here's 2 Corinthians. Uh, okay, all right, 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter uh, 13. And in that portion of scripture, if you will look at verse five, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, 
Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Friend, do you really believe that the Son of God lives in you by His Spirit? Then act like it. Quit talking filthy. Quit gossiping. Quit constantly criticizing. Huh? Does he live in you? If he doesn't, you're a reprobate. Then quit all that junk. Yeah. Why don't you just pull up a chair by your TV and say, God, you're going to like this one. They only kill about 25 or 30 a night. See, Paul says, if you go down and lay down with a harlot, you take the Spirit of God with you. That's what he says. If you go down and lay down with a harlot, you take the Spirit of God down there with you because he don't move out. He don't move out. Then act like he lives there. Amen. Act like he lives there. He lives there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, January, February. You know, he, he lives there. Then let's act like he lives in us. Huh? I tell you, you'll talk a lot different if you'll practice that. Now, I want you to know, and I don't have to examine you. He said, examine yourself whether you're even in the faith or not. Please, I want to tell you something. I believe, if I believe anything, I believe 75% of all church members are lost as a goose and a hailstorm. I don't know. If, I, I never asked the preacher about the intricacy of this church. But I can tell you this without asking him. 25% of the people give 80% of the money. And the same 25% do 80% of the work. You say, Brother Williams, do you believe work saves you? No, I'm from the old school. I believe if you're saved, you'll work. I believe if you're saved, you won't even need to pray about it tonight. You'll turn this stupid ball game off and come on. You'll turn off that movie and come on. Huh? Don't shake your head. I can't hear that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Amen. 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 Look, examine yourself, it says. Examine yourself even if you're in the faith or not. You want know what Peter said to the people of Israel in 1 Peter and chapter 1? He said this. He said, look, examine yourself here and there. He says, check and make your election sure. Make your calling sure. Did God really call you out? Did God really elect you? Did God really save you? Then come on, live like it. Do you understand if every Christian lived like that, we could win the world? You know what the world's looking for, ladies and gentlemen, in this hour? Something real. Something real. Something real. Hey, 
Don't get your hymn book down and sing, throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. Don't sing that and then go out here and act like you're paralyzed. Throw out the lifeline. Load your, load your purse, load your suit back there. That track rack ought to be emptied every Sunday. And then the pockets and the purses you put it in ought to be emptied. You say, really, Brother Williams, you give out a lot of trash. Ask my wife. Ask her if I talk to people all in the airplane. If I talk to people in the airport. If I talk to people in restaurants. And she does too. I'm just saying to you, dear friend, act like God lives in you. Yes, sir. Examine yourself. Don't, you know, you know, a mirror does two things. Not one, two. But most people go to a mirror just to see what they look like. Now, a mirror does two things. If you'll stay there long enough, it'll tell you what you don't look like. Huh? Yeah, you don't want to stay that long. <laughs> you just want to say, oh, yeah. Did you know this book James says is a mirror? Folks, believe me, believe me this morning. If you'll stay in this book, it won't only tell you that about heaven, and it won't only tell you about blessings, and it won't only tell you about obedience. It'll tell you there's a hell. It'll tell you how wicked we really are. Just stay in the book. Stay in the book. And <coughs> now I'm going to show you a very scary verse, okay? If you look at second, or First Corinthians, First Corinthians, and we're going to look at uh, the eleventh chapter. <coughs> Did you? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, is there a communion table down here? No. Okay, a lot of churches have a communion table right here. And on it, what does it say? You remember? And what? In remembrance of me, speaking of Christ. Okay, now watch. That's, this is the portion Pastor Shook and many, many other preachers preach from uh, when they want to talk about the Lord's Supper. And so it says uh, in uh, uh, verse... 23, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup which he had supped, saying, <coughs> The cup, this is a cup in your New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, what? Huh? Examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily 
eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or dead, many dead. One of the questions Ms. Williams came up with several months ago, sitting at our breakfast table, uh, was, Honey, why do you think so many of God's people are sick today? You know, think about it. I don't know about your prayer meeting here, but we get five times as many requests to pray for the sick as we do that somebody's been witnessing to somebody. Pray for this one, pray for that one, this one, that one. She said, why do you think there's so many of God's people sick? And I turned her to this verse. And I said, it's because they take communion wrongly. You would be better off never to have communion in your life than to take it without really remembering the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the broken body not the bones. They didn't break any of his bones. They broke his heart. They broke his heart. Doctors tell me the only way the blood and water can mix together in your body is for the, the heart to rupture. And when they stuck that spear in his, in his side, that spear, blood and water came out mixed together. He died of a broken heart. Please listen to me this morning. Please, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. Don't walk out those doors with an imaginary salvation. A girl in California came walking down the aisle. She was crying so hard and, and just yelling uh, that, that she was shaking the windows, not near this big of auditorium to see maybe a couple of hundred people. Uh, and the windows were rattling. I'm telling you the truth. And she came down there, and she's about 17 years old. And she looked up at me and said, see that man right back there? That man's my daddy. That man's a deacon. That man is a godly daddy. And sitting beside him is my godly mother. But preacher, ever since I was five years old, they've been telling me, honey, you're saved. Honey, you're saved. You knelt at the piano bench, and you asked Jesus to come into your heart. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. And then she looked up to me, and tears pouring down her face. And she said, preacher, could just once, just once, God, tell me I'm saved. You better read Romans 8. His spirit beareth witness with my spirit that I'm his child. This man, as much as I love him, can't tell that woman she's saved. Just like I can't tell Ms. Williams you're saved. Until God tells you you're saved, you'll never really know it. And I'm talking to some people this morning, and I'm not God, but I'm going to tell you something. There's some of you sitting here that God never has told you you're saved. We were preaching on the East Coast. A man came 40 years, 40 years, same church, diligently coming, diligently coming. Saturday night got saved. 
I was preaching in Selma, Alabama, and a little lady about 80 years old came up in front of me, a little grandma type thing, and she looked at me at the invitation and tears were coming down and she said, Brother Williams, I need to be saved. I turned to the preacher like I would turn to Brother Shook and I said, Pastor, uh, th- I need a personal worker. This lady wants to be saved. I thought the preacher was going to faint. He come over and he tenderly touched her and he said, Grandma, you're saved. You're saved. You've played the church in June. You've played the piano in June. You're church 40 years. Why, when you can't come, you're so sick, you can't come, you ask me to come get your tithe. And bless her soul, she looked up and said, Preacher, I love you, but I'm lost. I'm lost. Could I tell you, having the preacher pick up your tithe won't save you. Could I tell you, playing the piano 40 years won't save you. Folks, we're either washed in the blood or we ain't. And if you're washed in the blood of the Lamb in God's name, live like it. Act like he died for you. Act like his blood was shed for you. Act like his body was broken for you. And when you reach for that little cup and you reach for that little piece of bread, it ought to shake your soul. He did that for me. What have I done for him? I like that song in your song, but I'm satisfied with Jesus. Is he satisfied with me? Today, quickly, the third word, desperation. 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 In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, uh, there's a story. Jesus tells the story about this woman and uh, her husband had died. And uh, there was a man trying to cheat her out of everything that she had left. Uh, and the judge in that city said, I don't fear God and I don't regard, I don't fear God and I don't regard man. And I'm not going to help you, ma'am. Just beat it on home. And he thought that would be the end of it. And he went on in his chamber to do his work. And he came out at noon and there she was. Judge, you got to help me. Judge, you got to help me. And he just walked by and ignored her and said, I'm going to lunch. And he went to lunch and come back. And she was saying, Judge, you got to help me. Judge, you got to help me. And he went in his chamber and came out that night. And she said, Judge, you got to help me. And the next morning when he got to there, there she was. Judge, you got to help me. And that afternoon, Judge, you got to help me. And this thing went on day after day after day. Look at our story in Luke and the 18th chapter. And the Lord Jesus is telling the story. And he says here in chapter 18, In verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily, Jesus said. And dear friend, here is giving us this example of a woman that just won't be turned away. No, you got to help me. 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 And he said, If you'll pray like that and pray day and pray night, pray day and pray night, you know why you're child is still out yonder in sin and one of mine is I'm going to tell you why we're in desperate we're not desperate 
Let me tell you something. Those hostages over yonder being held are desperate. I, I don't know how much you pray, but I tell you, in their souls, they're crying out, Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, get me out of this. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. America's not desperate this morning. Pray, yeah, pray. Oh, you know, sometimes I go to church. Sometimes I go Wednesday night. Sometimes I find time to pray. No, we're not desperate. We're not desperate. Here's a man going down the Niagara River, and he's coming closer and closer to that 180-foot precipice where that water goes down that far and pounds those giant rocks down there. It's sudden death for anybody that goes over that fall. I want you to know his boat has sheared a pen on the motor, and he's helpless, and he's going down there. And I can tell you, I can tell you with absolute authority, dear friends, he's not saying help. 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 You know what he's doing? Help! Help! Help me! Help me! I'm headed for the falls. See, we're not desperate. David cried unto God. He cried to him. Get your closet. Get another room in your house. Somewhere, one guy said, I have to get out in the car in my floorboard. It's the only private place. We got such a little house. I said, get out there. I used to kneel in the back board, uh, uh, between the back seat and the front seat in the 55 Chevrolet and pray. I want you to understand, when you get desperate, when you're not desperate, if you would pray as much as you watch that stupid tube, you'd be a terrific Christian. I'm not on a war against TV. I'm just telling you that you let things come into your home through that thing that you wouldn't let come into your home any other way. Huh? Come on, get honest. Get honest this morning. Are you desperate for your children to turn out right? Then give them something to do it with. You say, I take them to church. If you bring them Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you've got a collective of about six or seven hours. And all the other hours, they're with you. Or they're in your home. Does God live in your home? Huh? I just ask you this morning. The Bible says, he said in the book of Luke, turn, turn to Luke 11 right quick. Luke 11, chapter 11, real quick. And here's another man that's desperate. He's desperate. He's come to this man's home in Luke chapter 11, a friend of his. And he comes and he cries out. Notice in Luke chapter 11, please. And we notice the desperation of this man as he comes and he from, from he, he, verse 5, and he said unto him, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey. He's come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. 
I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given, knock and it shall be opened, seek and you shall find. God gives us all of this to tell us if we'll seek, if we'll ask, if we'll knock, we will be like the man with importunity saying, I have to have some bread. I have to have some bread. I have to have some bread. I know you're in bed. I know your children are with you. I know you're asleep already and I've woken you up. But I got to have some bread. I got to have some bread. And he said, because he's his friend, he won't do it. But because of his importunity, he will do it. And God said, Jesus said about his father, he said, if you'll just cry to him day and night, 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 he'll hear you. We don't cry day and night. We don't cry dead. We have to get desperate. We have to get desperate. And the last word, expectation. Hebrews eleven six is the verse I've put in your Bible if I've ever signed your Bible. In Hebrews eleven six, but without faith. It is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to him must believe that God is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. Jesus said, I'll tell you, my father will reward you. If you'll just cry day and night to him, day and night to him, day and night to him. The son of the living God there in the, the, the garden of Gethsemane. And he's suffering and he's suffering and he's suffering. Oh, and the Bible says in Luke, I think it's a verse much overlooked. It's in the book of Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. It says uh, there, he was in an agony of prayer. Agony of prayer. That word agony is the same word translated from the Greek agoni. Agoni. That's the agoni games. That's what the Olympic games were called when they first started. Agoni games. They were in the isthmus down south of Corinth. Agoni games. Those athletes. I don't know. I've never run a, a major relay a race. I've run in high school, but I'm talking about one of these 26-mile marathons. I've never run a race like that, but I've watched them, and I've watched people come there, and they're gutting it the whole last way there, and they come to that finish line, and they faint. They faint. Somebody helps them out. Helps them out. I remember old coach Tommy Bean in high school, uh, and he, he'd be up there on the track waiting for you to come around that last 60 yards there. And, and uh, I think the hardest race in, in, in track is the 440. You got it from the time you leave that line till the time you hit the finish line. It's everything you've got. And you're running with a guy every bit as good as you are. And you come around that last curve down there and your legs feel like two pieces of spaghetti and your lungs are crying for some air. And old Coach B stops, steps out of the track. 
And he said, get him, boy, get him. It's in there, it's in there. Reach down for it, reach down for it. You can do it. And I don't know where it comes from, but somewhere a breath of fresh air comes. And it feels like somebody just drove two steel pins in your leg. And you look over at this guy that's as good as you are and say, I'll see you. <laughs> and somehow you cross the track and fall into the arms of the culture. People that work and work and work and work and wind up over there standing on a pedestal while the world watches and they hang that thing around and say they're the best in the world. I started those kids out when they were three years old, two years old, on those bars and on those dumb tables that they get on, and, and, and the guys started skating and skating and swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming and running and running and running and skating and skating and skating. And they do that, and they do it every day. They do it relentlessly. They do it till they hurt. They do it till they bleed inside. They do it, and they do it, and they do it. Just like our Savior, he prayed and he prayed till great drops of blood came out of his sweat pores and he said he prayed more earnestly. You know he was praying for you and me. And all you can do is get down and one whisper one little prayer. God help the church. God help our homes. Every problem in this church comes out of the homes of this church. Every problem in the Christian school out there where I'll be speaking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every problem comes out of the homes that represent that school. The church is not the oldest institution in the world. The church, the, uh, the church is not the oldest institution. The home is. When we get the homes right, it'll all be okay, folks. Our Father, thank you this morning for a book that doesn't tell us what we should hear. It tells us what we must hear. It didn't tell us that we have a choice. It's like the song we sang, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let's stand together, please.